Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. On pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold right here on the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, one more thing, and then I'll give you some thoughts on this, and it was a new experience for me, honestly. I mean, I just spent the last 49 episodes tearing apart the technocracy and transhumanism, so it was kind of a little break from that, but let me just say that... um, you know, if we want to learn more about this world of tech, what's coming, we need to start speaking to uh, people in the industry. Overall, overall, I, I kind of find, at least if this stays in its current form, to be fairly, uh, I don't know if I would say harmless, but I can see where this gentleman is coming from uh, as being someone who came out of live entertainment production. That if you don't embrace some of the tech, then you're going to be pushed out of business. And so, look, I'm sitting here in front of a microphone, in front of a camera with software and everything that runs this show, the ability to produce this show. But don't worry, folks, because tomorrow we get back to transhumanism. We get back to the technocracy. But I I think this was a good break, to be honest. It helped me sort of uh, expand my mindset. I've just been kind of trapped in this little box for the last couple of months uh, talking to myself. Uh, We've had Maria Albanese on. I've had Halsey English on. And we've had Legal Man on. But I want to start getting more guests because this is how we're going to learn more about what's happening out there in the world. And so in the industry of live entertainment, we now have someone who is on the cutting edge of technology and how technology is going to affect live entertainment. We'll see where his company goes with this. Uh, We'll see how it takes off. I'll follow it over the next couple of years and see what goes on with it. But uh, as an alternative to the metaverse, I would say yes. Overall, I'd have to experience one of these shows in real life to really understand what this is all about. But um, here's an article I have over at Martech Series, M-A-R-T-E-C-H Series.com. And the title is Gameionics Partners with the Vocal Group to Promote Gamification Technology in the Ever-Evolving Events and Entertainment Industry. So this is talking about... 
uh, his company here. And this article is about a year old. But it says, Gameotics, the emerging leader in audience engagement through web-based gamification, is partnering with Dallas-based The Vocal Group to deliver its turnkey technology and messaging to target markets and industry verticals, including entertainment, live and virtual events, sports, and education. We are keenly aware that there is a growing need for brands to reinforce community engagement, immersion, and interactivity through one of the most powerful tools in any customer's hand, their smartphone. And so we get into this, and he looks at the smartphone as a tool, not uh, necessarily a way of life. Like, you don't want to necessarily live inside your phone. Uh, It goes on to say the software we have developed is a way to create two-way conversations that can create opportunities that immediately impact the bottom line through upselling, promotion, data capture, and choice-based enhancements. And so when he's talking about data capture there, uh, you know, it it depends on how this all works. And we didn't get into the nitty-gritty of that. When you're scanning the QR code, is it recognizing you or is this just about interacting with that production on that one given day? And then basically that data is wiped clean. Um, It goes on to say, quote, our partnership with the vocal group will grant us the room to amplify our efforts to usher in the new era of interactive entertainment for our customers, end quote. And so there's other people I'm aware of in the um, live entertainment space who have talked about bringing more technology to the stage, specifically Broadway, which is always about 10 years behind on technology, believe it or not. And uh, as as our guest has said, no one really grabbed a hold of it, so he's running with it. Let me just read a little more from here. It says, quote, through decades of experience in entertainment marketing, public relations and promotion, we have developed a unique perspective on how the spirit of show business that connects audiences can directly translate to the mainstream marketplace through gamification, end quote. Gamification has become one of the hottest topics of interest for many marketing and media professionals because of the simple reason that it is considered one of the most effective ways to promote various services and products for many brands and other companies. And so this is a quote here from our guest. It said, Gameonomics has a proven model on how we can attract new customers and audiences as well as make the current customers' audiences more loyal by making them engaged in an enjoyable manner. The pandemic forced our hand into a format that could translate both virtually and in person. Our proof of concept was developed with Seize the Show, a product of Gameonomics Studios where audience behavior drove the story and consequences of each show the mission of the company is quote authenticity of experience through agency end quote the more truthful the audience feels their interactions are the more engaged they are with the message once we had customer buy-in we knew that we could license the software to help brands drive revenue through word of mouth and social media so we're going to get into this folks let me just show you Uh, This is his other company here, which is 20-Sided Tavern, uh, Dungeons and Dragons-like stage show that lets the audience control the adventure is about to make its UK premiere and organizers say its tech could change live esports events. And so 20-Sided Tavern is his entertainment company. And so 
They're actually now, I think they have a show coming up, running in the fall out of uh, in Chicago. We'll talk about that a little bit in the interview. And so basically what's happening, and, and let me read from this because I think it'll clarify some things. We really get into it in the interview, but I want you to have an understanding of this before you hear him speak. It says, 20-sided tavern, a live theater stage show inspired by the tabletop game of Dungeons & Dragons is about to make its UK premiere and believes its technology could change how we watch live esports events. The 70-minute show will be coming to the e- Edinburgh Festival Fringe, the world's largest arts festival, which is returning for the first time since 2019 through the month of August. It says it's for viewers aged eight years old and above and is targeting hardcore fans of Dungeons and Dragons to those just dipping their toes into the world of role playing games. It's had sellout shows in New York, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh, and now 20-Sided Tavern will be performed in the UK at the Pleasance Dome Venue 23, blah, blah, blah. The show lets the audience control the adventure. This is, this is the part where the technology comes in. The show lets the audience control the adventure by interacting on their phones. This can involve anything from the roll of a dice to an audience vote on complex storylines that develop as the show goes along to simply voting for an actor to do something specific. And he will go on to explain that in detail in the interview. There are also ways for the audience to battle in teams and each result impacts the developing storyline. Gameionic's web-based design means audiences access a website on their phone via a QR code on entering the venue with no app download required. It says organizers say that with so many branching paths and potential outcomes, audiences can create one of literally thousands of scenarios. So it's like a a one-of-a-kind Uh, The entertainment is created live on stage for you. It says, because everything is changing in real time, the plot has to be improvised as the actors go along, responding to the directions the audience give the performers. And then the performers can put new options into the system at any point. So, for example, if the performer comes across a basket that contains an apple and a brick, the audience might be able to vote for him to eat the apple. But they might also be able to vote for him to eat or at least try to eat the brick, and the actor would need to play out that scenario. Some of this sounds fun. Unfortunately, it involves tech, and I'm against it. The production is only being shown at the Edinburgh Festival for now, but there are discussions ongoing about possibly playing London shows. Um, As far as the story, here's the blurb. When called upon to defeat the monster that is inhabiting Cold Fire Caverns, little is known about the beast other than its insatiable appetite. As they explore the caverns, the audience's chosen party will uncover clues and unlock items to best prepare them for the climactic confrontation. But what deadly secrets in the depths of this ever-changing labyrinth? The cryptid will be created by the audience, and the only way to find out is to be there, right? So that's how they're they're marketing this. And so th- this article goes on to discuss other opportunities they see involved with this. I, I mean, again, folks, this is, it was interesting because you're talking to someone sort of on the cutting edge of technology, but... It's not involved with embedding a brain chip into the back of your skull or genetically modifying your DNA or, you know, putting a smart 
piece of tech inside your child's bedroom or growing babies in synthetic wombs <laughs> or strapping on an AR or VR headset and living inside the metaverse. All right, so this is going to be our guest, folks, David Carpenter. He's the CEO of Gameotics, as I said, in 20-Sided Tavern. He has 20-plus years in media and entertainment. He is an experienced off-Broadway and Broadway producer. We talk a little bit about that. He is now involved with multi-platform content development, production, sales, and marketing. He was executive producer of the 2019 Broadway run of critically acclaimed Slava's Snow Show. Helmed off-Broadway hit comedy Puffs, which ran in New York City for three years. Executive producer of Puffs, filmed live off-Broadway, released nationally through Fathom Events. He's producer of Puffs in Australia for two years in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane. Publisher of the Puffs script and upcoming companion book. And he's former DreamWorks theatricals executive overseeing Shrek, the musical sales operations. And so uh, I talked to him a little bit about that because I had a friend of mine who was a makeup artist on Shrek, the musical. So um, I think as we get into this, folks, you will see... I'm very polite. I'm not looking to turn this into some kind of a debate show. I mentioned to you that before. Uh, I have other guests um, that are personally connected to me. I mentioned uh, before um, a geneticist, another gentleman who came out of engineering who is against technology and others. So they are interested in coming on the show. Now, I am not going to agree with everything they say, but the way that I am handling the guest situation as far as right now is that I will ask my questions and I will let the guests speak and I will leave it up to you, the audience, to make decisions for yourself. Think of this as gameotics. Unfortunately, you can't throw in questions yourself in the middle of the interview, but uh, hopefully we get to most of those, and then we can talk about it later on a separate episode from this one. But uh, I think if you want to have an understanding of where technology is in various sectors, Outside of the stuff that I'm teaching you, then we have to start talking to people that are working on the technology and asking them where they see it going. And you will see from this guest, David Carpenter, that he just does not see a future with VR headsets taking over live entertainment or deepfake videos replacing actors or deepfake audio replacing book narrators he still sees that those actors those entertainers those performers will be in place but there is going to need to be some sort of merger with technology technology being used for audience engagement or we will run the risk of losing the next generation of audiences and so maybe one day i'll be doing this show and you'll be able to click on buttons inside of your phone running on a platform by Gameotics, and you'll be able to change the course of this show. I'll say, look, folks, I'm holding up a pen. Do you want me to swallow the pen or jam the pen in my eye? And you'll be able to vote on that. And if I jam it in my eye, then you'll be able to say, oh, okay, Dustin jammed the pen in his eye. Now, do you want to see him upload his consciousness to the cloud, or do you want to see him 
chug a bottle of gasoline and light himself on fire. I don't know. Some of you would probably enjoy that. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to change into my tuxedo because we are celebrating the 50th anniversary of this show, the 50th episode anniversary. Plus, we're going to be talking to a Broadway producer, folks. So I'm going to put on my tuxedo and we're going to take a long walk down Broadway, ladies and gentlemen, a visit with David Carpenter to talk about the future of live entertainment and how it will or will not merge with technology. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard. Enjoy the interview, folks. You're listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Ping.tv slash gold. And folks, I already introduced our special guest, ladies and gentlemen. This is the 50th episode, so tonight we're going to celebrate... By taking a little walk down Broadway, ladies and gentlemen, here is my guest, David Carpenter. He is uh, 20 plus years in media and entertainment. He's an experienced off-Broadway and Broadway producer, multi-platform content development, production, sales, marketing, you name it. David, fill in the blanks for us before we get into this in-depth discussion into technology entering into the live entertainment space. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, uh, thank you for the intro. Congratulations on your 50th uh, show. That's uh, really exciting. Thank you. Um, thank you. And thank you for having me on. So, uh, I have worked in uh, entertainment uh, in Broadway and off-Broadway for uh, 22 years now. Um, I got my start working as an assistant uh, for a company called the Dodgers, which is not the baseball team, but the Broadway producing company that, that produced uh, Jersey Boys. Um, and, and then I worked my way up through sales and marketing for many years. Uh, I worked at DreamWorks at one point. I was part of the team that opened Shrek the Musical on Broadway, uh, which was a really exciting job because I got to directly interface with, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, during those times and, uh, and Bill DeMaschke, uh, who were, who were amazing bosses to work for. And then I worked for another producer, uh, Broadway producer and learned a lot about the finance and production side of the business before starting my own firm, which I had for about five years. Uh, it was a company called Tilted Windmills, um, where I was uh, with, a business, with a former business partner of mine, and we were running that. And then that ended uh, in uh, at the end of 19, and I kind of struck off. Uh, I had already in January 20 decided to go on a new course, which was to not do Broadway anymore and start <laughs> moving into software technology and um, experiential entertainment. Uh, and, that's, um, and that's where I am now. That's interesting. I mean, the, the audience knows a little bit about my background, but I had a live entertainment company and we used to manage and develop political impersonators for corporate events. And then they appeared on everything from, um, you know, Jimmy Kimmel to the rest of the late night shows. And so I actually had a makeup artist that did some Mitt Romney makeup for us named Adam Bailey, who was one of the guys who used to glue the Shrek uh, head on the uh, the oh, cowl yeah. piece. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was well, interesting. They, he, they were on Broadway. He was in makeup for two hours before every show. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it was such an extensive. It was such an extensive costume, and then I think it took him an hour to get out of it. Might even been three hours. It's been. It's a little hazy. It's been a while. But yeah, that yeah. was a, that was a lot. Yeah. But he looked like Shrek on stage, no question about that. <laughs> yeah, another actor who worked for me, and he would portray Barack Obama, and he started his career uh, as a real actor. The Obama was kind of a side gig uh, for quick money at corporate events, but he was uh, the genie in um, Aladdin the play out at Walt Disney Land uh, out oh, in yeah, uh, yeah. California. So. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. used to have to put on a big cowl piece as well, so... So anyway, um, I want to get into this with you. So that that's your background. Now, what you're working on uh, today, and there's a lot to talk about, and then basically what I want to do is kind of run you through sort of a choose-your-own-adventure so that people could understand the technology that you're working on. But the name of your company is Gameonic. So right now, do you see yourself as a producer, as a technologist, as an entrepreneur, as a CEO? How do you define yourself? Always an entrepreneur, uh, no question about that. Like that's top of the list. Um, second is I'm the CEO of two different companies right now. They're both they're related to each other, but they're separate organizations uh, in their own right. One of which is Gameotics, which is a software company, which is a B2B business. And the other one is a, is a company uh, who, for lack of a better term, the Nandagora is um, a 20-sided tavern, which is an ex experiential entertainment company that is using Gameotics to build content, and that's a B2C company because it sells tickets to consumers. And um, they, it wasn't ever planned out this way in any way, shape, or form. I did not, I did not have any intention of, of, of it happening right this way, but it is what happened. <laughs> like, like, like all things, like all good things, it just kind of fell into it um, uh, over the last year. Um, I, with Gameotics, um, I had basically was looking for a way to deliver a, a branching narrative style experiences for in the live entertainment industry. And, and basically what I mean by that is like when I, what, what, the reason why I started the technology company was because I was, I was looking for a mechanism that allowed for the audience to be able to collectively choose in an, in an environment, like in, a, in an environment, what happens next? Like simple as that. And at the time, and there still is this day, the only thing that was available to be able to do that was basically off-the-shelf educational polling software. And, and that was fine, but there's so much more to an entertainment experience um, uh, that I wanted as a consumer. And that's why I built Gameotics. I wanted to build software to do more than just polling, do a lot more things, but I wanted to gamify the audience experience. And so that's where Gameotics was born. All right, yeah. So, so let me ask you uh, two parts. What came first, Gameotics or uh, uh, Twenty Sided Tavern? And then the other part is just as you were talking about there, and I mentioned the genie uh, a few minutes ago. You had told a story on another podcast about a show that you saw when you were with uh, um, Twisted Windmills that had a genie in the show and there was a guy going on these dates and yeah. then the audience was able to interact so let's kind of start there because it sort of seemed like that was kind of the beginning the revelation for you where you wanted to go down this path professionally yeah so basically what happened was that i was i had found the show um uh which i won't name because it's, it's long in the past now but that was <laughs> going back in 2016 and, and again i'll explain why in a second and the show was using educational polling software, and basically it was like as you described. It was a, it was a rom com. It was about a guy going on a date with a who wanted to go on a date with a girl, and he finds this magic item 
and this and this genie popped out of the item and said, "I'm going to help you with with the day, right?" And that was that was the gimmick. And so the audience, when they walked into the theater, were handed um, uh, radio frequency remotes, four button like ABCD push remotes, right? And they were handed these remotes when they came into the theater. And so and and the way the the show was constructed was that the audience would be making polling choices, right? A B A B C choices throughout the course of the show that affected how this guy's date went and what he did and what he wore and where they went, even down to which girl he went on a date with. And 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 then there was an internal math system that if the audience voted 100% positive for the guy, then at the end of the show, um, uh, he would sleep with the girl. And then if they voted 100% negative for the guy, at the end of the show, he'd throw himself off a bridge and then like 10 iterations in between about the types of different endings, right? Um, and I was really struck because it was the first time I'd ever seen someone execute this reasonably successfully live on stage. And the concept of agent experience, where the audience is as a, as a whole audience, is all making choices, but not just one choice, they're making a lot of choices that are affecting which, are the en- which way the ending of the show is gonna go. The audience had a great time, they had a really good time. And I opted on the show, um, and I held that option for about a year, um, but the, there were kind of two major problems that happened that was that were that were going on. Is that one is is that that wasn't a scalable idea. And when you, of course when we look in when we look at business, you know when we look for opportunities, we look for things that we can scale, things that we can grow, right? Build value in them. And you can't hand an audience a remote when they walk. Like there's just no way to be able to scale that to the size you needed to. Um, and also the software was kind of you know like the software wasn't built to do the thing that I was doing. It was kind of jerry rigged together. The second thing is that the show itself, very unfortunately, was um, not very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's it, a problem. It had a lot of problems. I mean, like from a like from a very kind of basic level, and certainly you could never do this in 2022, but you couldn't do it in 2015 either. But you have this concept of a show where the audience is choosing which woman the guy goes on a date with. And the reward at the end of the show is that he has sex with her. It's like, well, that doesn't work. Right? Like, that just doesn't fly. So I actually, so when I started working on the show and, and then, and kind of really got into fits of cup with the author over saying, hey, you know, you, you can't do it this way. You need to find some other ways to do this thing. And we were arguing for a long time over notes on the show. Um, but while I was doing that, I, I, I was trying to solve the other problem. And I very fortunately got hooked up with this, um, uh, this technologist in California, a guy named Dave Keene. And Dave, at one point in his life, was the senior architect of the PlayStation Gaming Network and worked mm. for Sony. And you know, was a big gamer. Obviously, worked in gaming, but was a theater lover, was a live entertainment lover in a huge way. And so, uh, you, it took Dave this problem, and that's that. And Dave came back and said, "Well, just build an app." And I'm like, "Well, there's a problem with building an app in a live entertainment environment. It's the same problem as handing them a remote, which is which is it's t- it's going to be it's tough to scale that. But but there's something there's something also that not that doesn't really work with that idea because I was describing it as like the 805 problem, which is like it's 805 and it's raining and the patron gets to the event or gets to the theater or wherever they're going and the usher has to stop them and say, oh, the show's already started, but have you downloaded the app? <laughs> yeah. And you lost the customer, right? I mean, you've got, and, and, and over the last seven years, you know, COVID, you know, being, you know, this kind of weird gray area where nothing happened. But over the last seven years, I've seen experiences try and do this, too, like in, in, in both different ways where I've seen where I've seen uh, experience on Broadway, which were really, really good, but they required the audience to ha- be handed something technical, um, um, and it, that's a tough thing to make work. But then I, you know, there have been other major companies, and I won't, I won't name them, who have experimented with 
asking audiences to download an app for the live experience. And and truth be told, it's hard enough to get them to buy a ticket, right? That is the yeah. that is the requirement. That's it, right? If they buy a ticket to see your show, that is all you can. Have. Everything else have to be have they they have to give to you, right? Um, and so so Dave came back and said, Dave said, all right, let's do an app. And I said, no, it's never going to work. Um, and also at that point, even in 2015, I'm like, I don't want to download an app. And now people right. don't want to yeah. download it. I know, I know, yeah. Okay, yeah, because it's, um, it's, you know, the data privacy and all that, you know, the, and, and and also, you know, just the concept of, like, in this point now, the app has to be truly functional in your life, right? So, like, the apps that I use the most, I have tons of apps on my phone that I don't use, right? The apps I use the most are my Delta app for travel. That's a useful one. Um, I use my... Um, I use, I mean, obviously anything I read, like, you know, Facebook and social media stuff. Um, but then also like weird things, like I, I got sold on TikTok to the, to the meter. You heard about the meter, right? No. It's a, it's a digital thermometer that you put that helps you cook your meat. It tells you when your food is done. I'm kidding you not. It's the best thing I ever bought on the internet. It's really cool. Um, so anyway, but like, but like, you know, those are truly functional. I mean, I'm talking about live entertainment, which meant that what I, what I envision giving out to be, which it is now is that it's gotta be disposable. It's got to be something that they use only in the theater, and then and then. And so we we went the direction of doing it for uh, as uh, only based solely on the mobile web, right? So that it's in the browser on your phone, and and QR code in, or back then it was like enter a website and a code, like two clicks and in. And we deployed it for. I started working on another project using it. We deployed it and it worked, right? It was it was. I mean, first couple of times we tried it, it didn't work, but that's technology. But then once we got the thing working the ease of use for the consumer and just the fun that they were having using the web web browser on their phone in order to engage an experience was really cool. Mm -hmm. But that was like 17 to 20, right? 2017 to 2020. And it was always a side project for me while I was doing other stuff. I think you mentioned like I had a, I had a production company called Tilted Windmills. I was very fortunate to produce um, a hit off-Broadway play called Puffs, which is a parody of the Harry Potter universe. Um, it ran for three years in New York. It was a really big hit. It's now the number two most produced play in the U.S. Like it did, it did great for itself. And I was very consumed by running that. Um, so I did a lot of things around. Plus, we made a movie. I did a bunch of stuff. Um, and and then I produced on Broadway. I produced an experiential show called Slava Snow Show, which is a, a European show that I brought over to Broadway for eight weeks. And then when at the end of nineteen, my partnership was breaking up. Um, I was kind of I was kind of done with Broadway, which we can talk about because I have a lot to say about that. And I wanted to try <laughs> something else with my life. Um, and I was gonna make fight over over all the IP in my various companies. And and I decided to say I was no, I'm gonna fight for I'm gonna fight for gameotics. I called something different then. I was like, I'm gonna fight for this because I don't think I've ever fully explored what this can do in live entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I did, and I won it, and I got you know I started working on it, and then March of 2020, the pandemic hit, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and live entertainment ceased to be for a few years. 